A warning, this episode features dramatizations and discussions of gore and violence. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Something to note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single myth about the tatzel worm. Today's episode combines elements from many stories about this alpine cryptid for dramatic effect. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every week, we dive into history's most legendary monsters. As we explore their origin stories, we hope to discover where they come from and what they reveal about humanity's greatest hopes and fears. Today, we're discussing the tatzel worm, or the claw worm of the Alps. While it began as just another mythical European dragon, the tatzel worm soon gained acceptance as a real creature, no different than a deer or fox. With its serpentine body and its cat-like face, the deadly beast struck fear in the hearts of Alpine villagers across Europe. You can find more free episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up, we climb into the Alps to meet the Tatzel Worm. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. The tatzel worm lurks in the jagged peaks of the Alps, one of Europe's largest mountain ranges. The Alps sprawl more than 100,000 square miles across central Europe, separating the chilly, wet north from the arid, warm Mediterranean. Between the snowpack runoff and the waters that flow from its peaks, the massive mountain range provides lowland Europe with as much as 90% of its fresh water. Because of these life-giving qualities, the Alps' foothills have been home to humans for centuries. As the population grew, so too did tales of the tatzel worm. The first sightings date back to 14th century Switzerland. The tatzel worm is said to be anywhere from three to seven feet long with a muscular, snake-like body, short front legs with razor-sharp claws, and the face of a cat. It uses its talon-like claws to burrow deep into the earth as it prefers the darkness of caves to sunlight. In fact, it only comes out to hunt during the rain. The tatzel worm is rather shy and avoids confrontation, but will attack if cornered. Its bite is extremely venomous and can kill a man, but evading its fangs won't necessarily save you as the tatzel worm's breath and blood are fatal too. 
From the Middle Ages on, reports of deadly encounters with the tatzel worm appeared all across the Alps, with tales coming from Austria, Italy, France, Switzerland, and Germany. Over time, Alps dwellers came to treat the tatzel worm like a real creature. It's even said to have appeared in a 19th century German hunting guide, almost as if the people of the Alps were desperate to prove its existence. At least they were until they finally came face to face with it. Sheriff Gatz didn't get many days off, and when he did, he preferred to relax, not hunt in the mountains. To the former French army captain, hunting felt too much like his old job. Invading foreign lands wasn't all that different than tracking prey. There was a lot of marching through poor conditions, bursts of extreme violence, and eventually, your brand new boots were soaked in blood. But Gatz's brother-in-law, Richard, loved hunting, and lately he'd become obsessed with the tatzel worm. Of course, Gatz told him that the cat-faced snake monster was a myth. He'd heard the villagers of Chell whisper about it ever since he led his army into the Swiss foothills years ago. He assumed it was just a story the poor simpletons used to scare off his invading forces. Still, Richard insisted it was real and that the village drunk had told him where to find it. He dragged Gatz out of his warm cottage on a dreary day, but the hunt was a bust. The sheriff was ready to turn back when Richard called out, Just up ahead, in that grotto. That's where the tatzel worm lives. Gatz couldn't help but roll his eyes as Richard rushed into the cave. He knew it would be a dead end, so he stayed behind, dreaming about the stew his dear sister was making at home. He sighed. He could be there, eating tender beef and potatoes next to a fire. But instead, he was shivering and exhausted, all to humor her idiot husband. The things he did for family. After a few moments, Gatz heard an otherworldly hiss come from within the grotto's walls and echoed down the mountainside. A chill shot down his spine. Then he heard Richard scream. The sheriff sprinted to the grotto and was stunned to find Richard lying at the entrance, gasping for air. Gatz dropped to his side and called out his name, but his brother-in-law wasn't breathing anymore. His lips were blue, and his eyes bulged from his skull, pulsing and bloodshot. And even stranger, a viscous green gel ran down his cheek. Richard was dead, and Gatz had no idea how to tell his sister she was a widow. Another hiss cut through the rain. Gatz looked up as something darted through the cave's darkness, low to the ground. A slender creature about three feet long, nose to tail. It slithered out of sight, but not before Gatz saw its feline face. His stomach sank. 
Richard was right. The tatzel worm was real and posed a real problem. Gatz had a reputation in the French army as a cold, rational killer. His men still traded stories about his first day in Chell, when he strode into town and burned down the first home he saw to quell the villagers' resistance. A mother and her child had died in that fire, but Gatz didn't care. He'd gotten his message across. That cold efficiency got Gatz his current job as sheriff, and he feared that if he told his superiors what he'd seen in the mountains, they'd brand him a fool and strip him of his post. Still, something had to be done about the monster. Gatz needed a great hunter, someone he could leverage to kill the creature quietly. There was only one man in Chell who fit that description, and unfortunately, it was the man whose family Gatz had killed. The sound of the cell door swinging open startled Heinrich Bauer awake. When he was first thrown in jail, he couldn't sleep at all. The constant drip of water, the fear of being gnawed on by rats, and the shackles around his wrists all conspired to keep him from resting. But after eight years in the dark cell, he'd gotten used to it. Heinrich didn't bother to look at the incoming guard. If it's time for my daily beating, I'd prefer you do it while I'm still in bed, he muttered. You were a great hunter in your day, answered a voice, a voice that wasn't the guard. Heinrich shot up from his cot. It was Sheriff Gatz. He hadn't seen the man in years since Gatz burned down his home, killed his wife Mila and his son Heinrich Jr., and threw him in a cell. Trying to protect Chell from the French was Heinrich's biggest mistake, and he'd paid for it dearly. Heinrich rotted away in jail, guilty of no crime but defending his home. He was never sure why he was spared, but he suspected he was kept alive as a warning to the other villagers. Submit or be locked up with Heinrich. He swallowed the rage rising in his chest and fixed a steely glance at Gatz. He was bracing himself for anything, a beating maybe or an execution? But the next words out of the sheriff's mouth weren't what he expected. He asked him what he knew about the tatzel worm. Heinrich fell back into his cot, almost amused. I never took you for one to believe in a children's story. Gatz moved closer. What I used to believe doesn't matter now. The villagers say you once claimed to have killed one. Heinrich chuckled. I claim a lot of things, but that doesn't make them true. He smirked. Tormenting Gatz was the first bit of joy he'd had in a decade. But then he saw how pale the sheriff was. I know it exists, Gatz told him. I've seen it with my own eyes. The older man appeared shaken as he told Heinrich his tale of how the tatzel worm had killed his brother-in-law. After recounting the horror story, Gatz said... I need your help to kill it, Heinrich. Heinrich laughed even louder and asked Gatz if he'd lost his mind. Why on earth would he help a French murderer? Gatz jangled his jail keys and said, If you slay the tatzel worm, 
I'll set you free. So have you seen one or not? Up next, Heinrich and Gatz enter the Alpine wilderness in search of the tatzel worm. Listeners, I am thrilled to tell you that this month marks a huge milestone for ParCast. It's the four-year anniversary of another fantastic podcast I host called Serial Killers. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the stories and psychology behind the most nightmarish murderers of all time, there's no better time than right now to start listening. Each week, we enter the minds, the methods, and the madness of the world's most sadistic serial killers. From the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, and the co-ed killer Edmund Kemper, to Eileen Wardos, Ed Gein, and coming soon, the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez. And this February, look out for our four-part special on couples who kill, following the worst love has to offer. Their names may sound ordinary, but their atrocities are anything but. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. New episodes air every Monday and Thursday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. Heinrich sat in his jail cell and stared back at Sheriff Gatz in disbelief. Eight years ago, this same man had burned down his home, killing his wife and young son, and thrown Heinrich into jail. But now, here he was offering him his freedom in return for slaying the mythical tatzel worm. Life was strange indeed. Heinrich stood from his cot and stepped closer to the sheriff, his voice low. I've seen one, but even I could not kill it. The beast is too quick. Sheriff Gatz mulled over his words, and Heinrich worried he'd said the wrong thing. But then Gatz replied, I hope for your sake that you're quicker this time. Then he reached out to unshackle him. Heinrich's newly freed wrists cracked as he twisted them in circles. He wanted to pummel Gatz right then and there for what he'd done to his family. But if he did, Heinrich knew he'd die in that cell. So he told Gatz to lead the way. As the sheriff walked him out, Heinrich worried to himself. In truth, he'd never seen a tassel worm. He didn't even really believe it existed. He didn't believe in much of anything these days. But this was his one chance at freedom, and he wasn't going to waste it. Heinrich followed Gatz for hours, trudging up the muddy alpine hillside. The rain was relentless, but it didn't bother him. He was outside for the first time in almost a decade. He savored the feeling of breathing in the fresh air, of feeling the rain on his face. The sky got darker as they made their way deeper into the mountains. There wasn't another soul around for miles, and as he trudged along behind him, Heinrich kept glancing at the back of Gatz's head. It wouldn't take much effort to pick up a rock and bash his skull in. But Heinrich could never kill another human, even someone like Gatz. 
Back in the old days, he didn't even like hunting. He just happened to be good at it. Heinrich's thoughts were interrupted when Gatz stopped at a grotto. Gatz told him that this was where the tatzel worm killed Richard. Then he tossed Heinrich a short blade and urged him to go inside. Heinrich glared into the foreboding darkness, then shook his head, turned around, and rushed at the stunned sheriff. Heinrich stopped when Gatz unsheathed his own sword and pointed it to his neck. Gatz barked, No tricks, you Swiss imbecile. This old captain can still sense an attack coming. Heinrich clenched his jaw, barely containing his rage. I was merely rushing to beat the sunset. He lied. He explained to Gatz that he needed light to see in the cave, and back a ways was a fallen pine. The dry wood would make a good torch. I'm not trying to kill you, Heinrich continued, though God knows I would be within my right, but I wouldn't slay another person for spite or sport, unlike you. Gatz lowered his sword. His gaze softened as he muttered, Killing your family wasn't personal, Heinrich. I just had a job to do. Heinrich simply turned and walked away. The tree was farther downhill than Heinrich thought. The pine was wedged in a gully, damming up the storm's runoff. He slid down the rocky hillside and landed with a splash at the bottom. Heinrich's boots quickly flooded with rainwater. The fog was so thick he could barely see his own hands in front of him as he pulled out his blade and felt his way toward the tree. He hacked away at the bark, hoping to uncover dry wood underneath. A soft hiss made Heinrich freeze mid-hack. It was coming from underneath the pine. He peered over the trunk. Something wiggled back and forth, slithering across the ground. It looked like one long tail. Heinrich gripped the knife in his hand as he slowly crawled over the tree to get a better look. Two green eyes stared back from the darkness, and the thing hissed again. A bolt of lightning shot across the sky, cutting through the fog. The face of a cat stared back at him, its tail, long, thick, and covered in scales, twisted through the tree's branches. Heinrich was stunned. The tatzel worm was real. It was also coiled and ready to strike. So Heinrich raised his knife higher and whispered, easy, easy. The tatzel worm didn't hiss and it didn't flee. In fact, it almost looked docile. Heinrich inched his way down and smiled. All it would take was a swift stab and then he would be free. He raised his knife. When something came tumbling down the mountainside, Heinrich jerked his head up to see Gatz, sword drawn and revenge in his eyes, sliding down the gully. He cried out, he's mine, Heinrich. Gatz dove into the pine's branches, straight toward the tatzel worm. The fight was too quick for Heinrich to know what happened. 
all he saw was a puff of green mist, and all he heard was Gatz's scream ring out across the Alps. Moments later, Heinrich stood still in the water as both the mist and the screams faded. The sheriff and the tatzel worm were gone. Heinrich ran to the fallen pine tree where the tatzel worm had lurked. Broken branches were everywhere, and a streak of blood ran down the side of its trunk. Heinrich had no idea if it belonged to Gatz or the monster. He tried to reason away what he'd just seen. The water in the gully was flowing fast. Gatz could have simply hit his head and been washed away. But Heinrich couldn't make sense of the green mist or the sheriff's anguished cries. He watched the water rush down the hill toward a shallow pool riddled with sharp rocks. If Gatz had been washed down there, he wouldn't have survived the fall. Heinrich reeled at the idea that the sheriff was dead. Then he smiled, spit into the water, and muttered, Good riddance, Gatz. The man who'd killed his family was gone, and all Heinrich had to do was climb out of the gully and walk away from Chell. He could start over in another village. Heinrich tucked his knife into his boot and dragged himself up the hillside. The tatzel worm wasn't his problem now. He was getting out of there. Coming up, Heinrich's clean break isn't so clean after all. Now, back to the story. Heinrich stood tall on the trail and inhaled the fresh mountain air, beaming. Sheriff Gatz, the man who had killed his family and imprisoned him for almost a decade, was gone. After an encounter with the tatzel worm, Gatz was surely dead, and Heinrich was a free man at last. Heinrich sighed and continued on the trail in the direction of the neighboring village. He would start over there, or maybe even further, somewhere where nobody knew him. Then he could make a new life for himself. The thought of sinking into a plush chair next to a fire warmed his bones. He could already taste that first mug of mulled wine. But then a faint moan rolled up the gully. It was the sound of a man clinging to life, and it could only mean one thing. Gatz was still alive. Heinrich's heart sank. If Gatz survived, he'd track Heinrich down and kill him for abandoning him. And even if Gatz was dead, Heinrich realized his French lackeys might assume he had killed him. They would find him and put his neck on the chopping block. Heinrich knew he had to save Gatz's life. With a reluctant sigh, he turned back to rescue his enemy. Heinrich followed the stream from the gully to the pool below. The water smelled putrid and was surrounded on all sides by moss-covered rocks. Burrows pockmarked the bank, big enough for a creature like the tatzel worm to crawl into. 
Heinrich pulled out his knife and crept around the pool toward the rocks. He was mesmerized by the dead animals floating in the water, a half-eaten rabbit, the bloated corpse of a fox. On the side of the bank lay something much bigger. The body was face down and half submerged, but Heinrich could immediately tell it was Gatz. Heinrich rolled the corpse over with his foot and immediately choked back the bile that rose in his throat. Gatz's face was swollen and covered in gashes and bite marks. His lips were blue. One eye was closed, but the other was blood red. He suspected the closed eye was missing, but Heinrich had no desire to confirm that suspicion. It didn't look like Gatz hit his head and fell. It looked like he'd been poisoned and beaten and chewed up for good measure. Heinrich pulled Gatz onto the rocks, his panic rising. The sheriff was dead, and the only way he might avoid the French army's wrath was if he brought back the Tatzelworm's body as proof that he'd avenged Gatz. A hiss echoed from a cave on the other side of the pool. The Tatzelworm was there, mocking him. His eyes narrowed. The creature deserved to die. Heinrich looked down at Gatz's mangled face and swore that he wouldn't let the same fate befall him. He bent down, pulled Gatz's sword from his belt, and slowly made his way toward the cave. Heinrich ducked his head and walked under the rocky overhang, scanning the sandy ground for any sign of the creature. As he went deeper and deeper, the overhang sloped closer and closer to the ground. Soon, Heinrich had to crawl on his hands and knees. He barely had enough room to squeeze his body between the sand and the rock, but he could see a crack of light up ahead. He crawled out into the open and gasped for air. Rock walls towered above him. Years of erosion had cut a maze 15 feet deep into the rocky alpine hillside. As he stood up, Heinrich couldn't help but feel trapped. He headed toward a narrow walkway, zigzagging through the rocks, and held his enemy's sword close to his chest. He had to be ready for anything. An unmistakable hiss bounced off the rocky walls. Then a sinewy body slithered out from a hole, facing away from Heinrich. Heinrich finally got a full look at the creature. It was three feet long, with two stumpy front legs and a slender, slimy tail covered in black-green scales. As it wiggled its body across the ground to move, it almost looked silly. But Heinrich was too scared to laugh. He followed closely behind, barely blinking, as he couldn't let the animal out of his sight. He needed its skin. The Tatzelworm slid its way through the rocks, disappearing again into another dank, dark cave. Heinrich gripped the sword and stared into the blackness. Then he took a deep breath and took a step forward. 
The moment Heinrich stepped into the cave, hissing rang out all around him. He didn't know which direction it was coming from, but as his eyes adjusted, he began to make out shapes, and a pair of tiny green eyes popped open at his feet. Heinrich screamed and stabbed the sword into the ground. He felt the sword slice through the tatzel worm's squishy body, but the hissing didn't stop, and Heinrich could see why. All around him, dozens of green eyes popped open. His stomach fell. Of course there were more than one. Tales of the tatzel worm had spread for hundreds of years, which meant the creatures liked to breed. And now Heinrich was standing in the middle of a tatzel worm nest. The green eyes closed in from every direction. The tatzel worms were coming for him, and Heinrich didn't have a moment to waste. He swung the sword, aiming for the green eyes. He chopped and slashed as toxic blood sprayed into the air to burn his limbs, and cat-like heads rolled by his feet. He could hear the brood's tortured cries as he slaughtered them all. Finally, the hissing stopped. The family of Tatzelworm were all dead. Heinrich stumbled out of the cave to grab a small branch outside. He lit it as a torch, then walked back into the darkness. In the torchlight, it looked like a slaughterhouse. Blood pooled on the ground, severed tails and feet still twitching. The tatzelworms' mouths hung open, green drool spilling out of their lifeless jaws. It was a bloodbath, all at Heinrich's hands. Heinrich set the torch down and picked up one of the bodies to bring back to the village. It was more intact than the others, and smaller too, just a baby really. Heinrich saw that even the larger bodies weren't that big, and they didn't seem particularly strong either. He doubted that one of them could have dragged Gats all the way down the gully into the pool. Heinrich shook his head and realized Gats must have slipped after all. His heart tightened in his chest. Heinrich looked from the dead Tatzelworm to Gatz's sword. He had slaughtered this family, the same way Gatz slaughtered his. These creatures were living things, just trying to survive and feed. They were ugly and strange, but he wasn't quite sure they were evil. Heinrich hung his head in shame. He'd earned his freedom, but he didn't feel good about it. Then the baby Tatzelworm twitched ever so slightly in his hand. Heinrich looked up with hope. It was alive after all. The baby's tiny green eyes drifted open, and Heinrich smiled. The baby let out a horrific hiss and spit green venom into Heinrich's eyes. He fell to the ground, pain coursing through his body as his throat closed up. Heinrich gasped for air and watched the light of his torch fade to a pinprick. The last thing he saw before he went blind was the baby tatzelworm screech and scamper out of the cave, as if too upset to stay with its slain family. 
In his final moments, Heinrich couldn't help but hear Gatz's words echo in his head. I just had a job to do. Heinrich laughed bitterly. He and Gatz weren't so different. They were both killers. So maybe it was fitting that they died the same death. Worm sightings began in the 1300s, but they ramped up at the end of the 18th century and continued through the 19th and 20th. The creature's popularity grew with time, almost as if people were desperate for it to be real. Perhaps that's because we all have a need to tell stories, and during the height of European colonialism, tales of unusual beasts poured in from across the globe. Animals that seemed mythical to Europeans, like the mountain gorillas of Africa or the Komodo dragon in Indonesia, were suddenly being documented in far-off lands. Central Europeans had little hope of ever seeing these exotic creatures, so alpine villagers claimed they found proof of their own special beast. However, despite hundreds of years of anecdotal evidence, people are still speculating about what explorers actually saw when they reported a tatzel worm sighting. Some say it was an unknown breed of salamander, or the weasel-like pine marten, or even an undiscovered alpine relative of the Gila monster lizard, a desert-dwelling reptile that has a poisonous bite. But ultimately, whatever the tatzel worm is or was, is less exciting than what it could be. Nobody went out hunting for a magic weasel or an oversized salamander. They went out to hunt a tatzel worm. Because alongside fear, the tatzel worm also inspired hope. For who could be more heroic than one brave enough to seek it out and slay it? There's still no firm consensus about what the tatzel worm actually was. Perhaps it is real and still exists today. But maybe it's best if we just leave it be. After all, proving it exists might not be worth a faceful of venom. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. For more information on the psychology behind why we believe in cryptids, amongst the many sources we used, we found Abominable Science by Daniel Loxton and Donald R. Prothero to be extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Jesse Harris, with writing assistance by Alex Garland, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
Listeners, don't forget to check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a deep dive into the minds and madness of history's most notorious murderers. You can binge hundreds of episodes, four years worth, and catch new episodes weekly. Listen to Serial Killers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.